0: I am Alan Thomas, and today I have Finney Wang with me, co-founder of IXO. How are you doing?
1: I'm very good. How about yourself?
0: Oh, I'm I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Let's, let's jump right in. Tell us about IXO and who you guys are and what you guys do.
1: Yes, yeah, so IXO, we are the blockchain for, for impact. So what does that mean? That means all kinds of sustainable development and social impact projects need some kind of measurement in terms of whether or not those programs and interventions are actually effective in achieving certain outcomes in reaching their beneficiaries and making sure that um, we're funding the the right kinds of interventions. So it's been a real um, problem for that industry in terms of their data measurement. Um, and so what we've seen is an opportunity here to use blockchain and um, other kinds of exponential technology, such as uh, big data, machine learning, and um, IoT sensor technology as a way to scale our ability to, to evaluate um, these different kinds of, of, of projects and also to, to create new models and new paradigms for how we can fund those types of interventions. So that's what IXO does in a nutshell. Um I was on your podcast a few months earlier back in December. So I'm also very happy to be back to to um reintroduce IXO to your audience and give some updates on what we're up to.
0: Oh, oh that'd be great. Let's let's jump right into that. Like uh yeah, what what are some of the updates? What are some of the changes made since then?
1: Um good. So um I think in, in December we we discussed a little bit about IXO's background. Uh, we talked about some of our existing projects. So one of them being um, the Ampli project, which is focused on uh, preschool attendance records in South Africa. So that was UNICEF Ventures' first blockchain um, investment. And we've, uh, to date, since 2016, have uh, tokenized more than 60,000 preschool attendance records across 50 plus uh, preschools in South Africa. So what does it mean to tokenize something? Uh, The simple way to think about tokenization is it's creating a digital asset that represents some kind of real world asset or or, or piece of information like, like data. So, in this case, the attendance records would be the real-world um, data asset, and we've created now a digital asset um, that that references this real-life um, uh, data structure. So, when you create a real uh, a data, sorry, when you create a digital asset, um, now you can start um, transacting that digital asset. Um, on a decentralized type ledger. Uh, So that's super exciting in terms of how you can think about um, funding different kinds of of transactions in the real world, um, including social outcomes. So this is a whole new way to think about philanthropy and a whole new way of thinking about impact investing that is focused on financing for success and financing for results. Um, So in the case of Ampli in South Africa, uh, what the government uh, has done is create a program to incentivize preschool attendance. So if you're a preschool operator, you can receive subsidies from the government if you can show proof of attendance. so now you can see why it's it's very creative to think about how we can we can make that process more efficient and effective. So teachers can take attendance. Um, that attendance record um, it's turned into a digital asset, and that digital asset can be funded. Um, so that's where we want to uh, take this product um, in the future: is is being able to link those um, those payment flows to that uh, proof of attendance. So Ampli is a project that we wanna expand into other countries outside of South Africa. So we're looking at other countries um, in UNICEF um, uh, country offices. And also even in um, right here in the States, and it's also um, a mechanism that is, is equally relevant for, for developed countries such as uh, New York City and New York State. Um, so we've had some early stage discussions with um, with lawmakers in uh, New York, uh, in New York State, in New York City, around how we can use this type of mechanism to measure the effectiveness of, say, mentoring programs, the effectiveness of uh, services for underprivileged kids to see whether there is an outcome tied to their to their school performance, to um, their uh, their attendance rates, and so forth. Um, so this is all very exciting. And uh, on top of that, how can we create? Um, digital histories for the students themselves that they can carry with them globally and throughout their lives. So being to prove to anyone in a way that they can control and own um, that they've attended school, that they've um, engaged in these different types of mentoring programs and so forth. So could that help people in terms of alternative credit histories and credit scores in terms of um, job applications? So, the future is super exciting when we think about um, the tools we can use to really empower people to show that um, they have a certain credibility or reputation, even though they've they've been marginalized from traditional institutions. Um, So that's that's really where we want to take things. Um, And other stuff we've got in the works um, is around um, creating smart impact bonds. So the idea of an impact bond is that you've got investors who put in money into a project and they get paid a return on that investment if and only if those outcomes um, for the program are are met uh, so again this is a perfect kind of use case for the technologies that we want to build um, being able to show um, on the blockchain that a certain outcome has has been achieved and then we can we can tie the the funding flows to to that digital asset that that shows you um, that, that shows the, the outcomes. Um, so that's something we're working on um, with UBS Optimus Foundation in Switzerland. They are the foundation arm of UBS Bank. And so they are a repeat investor in these types of mechanisms and they're um, working on a impact bond project in India for girls education. And so how do we use these tools to, to scale the evaluation of, of the learning outcomes on the ground in real time? And then that's um, the basis for which UBS can be repaid a return on their investment. So so these are the different kinds of, of models that, that we're working on. Um, and we're super excited. And we also recently announced a partnership with Seneca Zoos. Uh, they're a zoo based in Rochester, New York, but they do all kinds of conservation Um, projects uh, with reforestation around the world, uh, particularly in Madagascar. So we're super excited about that. So how can we use blockchain to tag and track trees so that we can prove that there's been reforestation in this particular area? And that's very important in terms of the research that um, various conservation environmentalists do. Um, So that's super exciting in terms of uh of uh, being to expand into into that sector around conservation reforestation um potentially also um certifying carbon carbon sinks from reforestation projects and also supply chain so sorry for the for the long long winded answer but we've got a lot going on so i wanted to let the world know what we're up to
0: oh no that's that's exactly what you're here for we wanted to we want to hear uh about all these great things that you guys are doing uh i i just uh uh, the, one, the, the first question that kind of popped off in my head was, how do you decide where to focus your efforts with all this, you know, all the different areas you could you could go to? How did you decide initially to, to focus on tokenizing the, the preschool records? Let's f- start with that pro- project.
1: Yes. So my, my team is in um, South Africa. They're, they're in Cape town uh, So that's Project started. Locally, because um, preschool education, early child development is a huge theme in South Africa, and so that's where that um, that project first came about. and And sometimes you kind of have to follow where where the um, where the priorities are, because that's where you'll you'll get traction and funding and attention. And so so we've started with that, and and that was also our um, connection with UNICEF Ventures, because they're very focused also on on these focus areas around. Child development and so forth that's part of UNICEF's uh, mandate so that's that's where that, that came about um, in, in terms of the the other projects um, some of it people kind of reach out to you because they they hear about you and so like-minded folks find each other and and that's quite important in in this space as, as we discovered um, we work in the sustainable development and impact uh, space where where technology doesn't always um, kind of follow, uh, doesn't doesn't lead, uh, I should say. Um, so you, you, you have to find the early adopters in, in the space that get what you're doing. They get the vision of using this technology. They see it. Otherwise, it's a really long education process trying to get someone who's like, okay, what's blockchain? Is it just Bitcoin? Right. So that's such a long education process. Um, so you, you kind of have to let the the early adopters in their respective fields come and find you if you're able to articulate your your story or nar- narrative, right? So that's how Seneca Zeus came to us. They they found us and they say, Hey, you know, we've heard about you guys through um, sales through our Salesforce reps. And, you know, we've been looking for ways to 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 look at um, documenting and proving you know reforestation tracking that and and we've been studying you know uh, decentralized mechanisms and and blockchain so you kind of have to find those kinds of, of, of folks um, that makes that process a lot easier in terms of getting stakeholder engagement getting projects actually off the ground um, so that's that's one thing that that we've learned
0: uh, and and, and, uh, and I, I just wanted to ask a little bit more about the impact bonds I think we really Wanted, uh, I think our listeners would definitely want to hear a little bit more about how they work and, and their uses and just a little bit more detail about
1: them. Sure. Uh, so the impact bond model is, is really new. It's probably uh, slightly younger than than blockchain. And if you think blockchain, you know, Bitcoin, the white paper came out in 2008. First block was 2009. Well, the first um, impact bond was 2010. So. So it's a little bit younger than than the whole blockchain industry, Um, and and the idea came. The first uh, impact bond came out of the UK. Uh, So the so the the program was for a prison recidivism reduction um, intervention. So training training low level offenders in in job skills. Uh, The the thesis being that if we give them these kind of tools, they will not end up. repeating the same patterns of behaviors that get them in trouble and arrested and back in jail. So how do we create a program that trains them before this? And uh, we can use private money to to fund that program. And the government will only pay for that program if it's been proven to be effective. So that was the idea behind impact bonds. Um, In the original form, you can think of it as like a public-private partnership, whereby private sector has a bit more risk um, capability to take on innovative new projects um, and see if they work or not, experiments, whereas government, because they have this kind of political, um, uh, I guess, considerations around them, right, in terms of, oh, you know, you put your money into this project and it didn't work, and then they'll never be able to experiment again. So, so that was the original thinking around around the Intech bond model. So You have the private investors that 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 fund the pro- program, and the government serving as what's called an outcomes funder. So they only pay for the project um, and repay the private investors if and only if pre-agreed outcome metrics for the program are are met. So that we can say, hey, you know, this this program was was successful. So that's the the genesis of, of, of how that came about. And the first one was uh, with a prison called the Petersboro Prison in in the UK and actually it was successful in reducing the the recidivism rates of the of the target um population. And so there have been other impact bonds um throughout the UK and through the US and also in developing countries. Um so now the it's evolved a little bit whereby the the outcome funder doesn't necessarily have to be a government, it could be a, a major foundation that's also interested in, in funding for outcomes and are willing to split the risk with other uh, private um, funders. So UBS is, is an example of a private funder. They're an impact investor. In the case of their um, development impact bond in India, the outcomes funder is a major foundation called the Children's Investment Fund rather than a government entity. So the, the, the Children's Investment Fund will repay UBS um, Optimus Foundation um, their, their principal plus a return. Usually it's like an 8 to 10% coupon rate if the learning outcomes are met uh, under that program. So that's generally the, the mechanism of how these um, impact bonds work. Now, impact bonds are not actually bonds the way we think of uh, corporate bonds or government bonds that actually trade on the market. Um, their contractual um arrangements between the various different parties and stakeholders. So the the transaction fees and the evaluation monitoring fees are quite expensive, which makes it hard for these um impact bond mechanisms to scale. And because they're quite risky, um UBS, you know, if they put in ten million to a project, they may not get anything back or they're gonna have to wait a number of years before they can receive any return. And so they're very keen um, at looking at tools like blockchain, looking at tools like um, IoT sensors or or data algorithms to see how that um, evaluation process can be scaled, so that we get information in real time, how we can use smart contracts to reduce the transaction cost of of arranging these types of, of mechanisms. Right, so reducing the 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 legal fees, reducing the administration fees for for transacting these um, types of mechanisms, and if you're able to get information flows in real time, then you're able to to better have a sense of your of your risk and and de-risk. So in the future, you can you can start imagining um, an impact bond that actually looks like a real tradable, investable. Investment instrument whereby we can diversify from that risk amongst a pool of impact investors. So UBS can be the underwriter, meaning they p- put the initial money into developing this this uh, impact bond project and doing the due diligence. Um, but they can de-risk a little bit by reselling a portion of of, of their commitment uh, to people like maybe you and me or other. Um, other investors who may be um, high net worth individuals, other foundations, other uh, family offices that are interested in these types of, of programs. And they want to participate in these kind of mechanisms, but maybe they don't have the resources to do the due diligence in the way that UBS Optimus Foundation can because they have that expertise. So that allows us to bring in our capital into these kind of projects it allows UBS to de-risk um, and allows them to redeploy capital faster in other um, innovative impact bond projects. So then we can pool, overall, we can pool more capital into these kinds of innovative projects that spread the risk around between different parties. So I think that's hugely exciting because now what we're doing is creating capital markets for social impact. And I think that's the way that the world should move towards is that there's a lot of money out there and we should be deploying it towards, towards achieving actual um, good outcomes that benefit all of us.
0: So do you think that if impact bonds, if there are just a few more projects or a couple of more years under its belt? Uh, Do you think that will help to bring some of those costs down to make it more widely adopted?
1: Yeah, I think with uh, best practices, certainly that can proving, you know, proving the track record certainly can help. Um, The more case studies you have, the more you can kind of preach that gospel um, to the (laughs) world and and get people to understand. Um, In the same way that, you know, blockchain's taken, you know, 10 years for people to kind of reach, Sort of mainstream consciousness of what it is and we're only at the beginning same thing we're only at the beginning and how can we merge different technology tools that enable us to accelerate um, accelerate the development accelerate um, um, uh, or actually I, I should say you know solve maybe some of the challenges and, and roadblocks right um, so, certainly, the more we, we have um, track record and case studies that's helpful and, and figuring out what exactly is preventing us from scaling that model. Um, is it because of, of the, the cost of the aviation or monitoring? How can we use this new technology around blockchain and, and IoT sensors to, to, to reduce some of those costs? How do we you know, look at other kinds of mechanisms to, to um, open up these, these, um, these models to a wider audience?
0: So it does. It does sound like maybe uh, the early adopters are, are the key to getting to that tipping point, right?
1: Yes, the early adopters, but also early adopters who are willing to see how fast the 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 market can change. So one thing I've also noticed um, working kind of in the space with um, you know climate finance and 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 um, other impact investors is that there's there's a little bit of protectionism. So you, you really can. It's like a and you know, when you bring in new technology it's a bit of a litmus test you know some people are like very defensive they're like we've spent you know 10 15 years building the carbon markets and and a market for carbon credits and why do you guys want to suddenly come in and create a market for carbon tokens and you have to try to get them to see that the technology is an is an enabling technology and that can expand the scope of of their market that they've worked really hard to build Right, and help them scale that market. Um, other people come up and they take a really proactive approach and they they come up and they say, hey, I'm a I'm an impact evaluator and my job is going to go away because of this technology. But I'm not defensive about it. I, I want to pivot and I want to learn how I can use this um, to to um, to change my business, uh, my business models and and to work with that. So it's a, you know it's it's quite interesting to see how how humans and institutions react to to change, and and how willing they are to experiment with it. So um, you know again like I said, it, you got to go with the folks that come to you. They see the vision, they see where things are going, and and they're willing to they're willing to to work with you, you knowing that. Um, they accept that their maybe their jobs or their roles will become disintermediated or that it will change and they're willing to engage in that change.
0: And so in, in the midst of all these projects that you guys have going on, have there have there been any ideas or developments that somebody's brought to you? And and maybe you say, well, that's a little bit too ambitious of a project to take on today, but maybe we'll put but maybe a year or two down the road.
1: Yeah, you know, we never turn away from <laughs> ambitious. We, you know, the, the 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 scale of the vision is is what gets us excited, because that's where you can show exponential um, change. But you kind of have to break it down, right? So so you want to make sure there's a big enough vision that's that's worthwhile. Uh, but then you break it down and say, well, how do we start with an initial? Pilot to test how this can work, and then from that we can then learn how to 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 make changes and how to scale it up, right? So you know we had lunch with folks who are like, we want to do you know a billion dollar fund that invests in sustainable forests in South America, because it's a proven model that that when you think of the forest as a factory that produces carbon sinks that produces um, cacao that produces, um, all these other kinds of products, it's actually, a, a good financial return. And we want to also be able to measure the social and environmental returns, right? So big scale thinking, um, is what gets us excited. And then we say, okay, well, how do we start, um, small with, with this particular pilot project? We identify what exactly we want to measure. We identify what exactly, um, uh, we want to achieve as, um, as the first kind of initial test, right? Being to supply, being to certify this supply of, of trees, being to um, tokenize this, you know, set of data around around the particular effects, right? So, we, you know, you have to get down into the details in terms of exactly what you want to measure. Um, so that's that's usually how we we work with the partners that approach us.
0: And you guys have done a lot in just a few months, but what is the... What's, so, what's the roadmap look like over the next year or two? I'm sure it's chock full of projects.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we are getting ready to release the MVP of our of our protocol end of June, um early July. So look out for that. Um, what this means is is that the core basic functionalities of our blockchain, will be available for alpha testing amongst um, a group of early adopters, you know, kind of like a friends and family, you know, give us feedback. So what this means is that anyone will be able to create their own digital, digital ID. Um, They'll be able to create their own um, impact database so they can start making claims about something that they're doing in the world, something that their project has achieved and have that verified. Um, And then there's, a record of all of that that's associated with their digital um, ID. So that's super exciting in terms of um, what we built. Um, it's it's a real innovation in, in database technology. Um, it's the first kind of use case around um, digital IDs, um, this idea of self-sovereign identity. So being able to own your own ID, being able to own your own data, And how you can transact with your own data is super important. And it's also quite timely, especially when you've seen all the latest um, talk with with, uh, Facebook, you know, Mark Zuckerberg going in front of the Senate and trying to justify what happened, you know, in terms of people's data, you know, without their permission, how it's been used. Right. So that's that's the current status quo. But that's not what the future is going to look like in terms of the data economy, in terms of how we want the internet economy to, to look like. People should be able to own their own data. And that also starts with being to own their own identity and, and, and being to associate information and reputation with their own identity.
0: And and I, I personally love the idea that actually being able to have full control of your identity and everything, it kind of goes along with it. You know, like I said, you, you it, it almost seems like data breaches or, or or data events are becoming commonplace. And that's that is definitely not a good thing.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And so and, and it's also like it's, it's it's a data security question, but it's also um, an economic question. It's like, well, if I'm producing this content and this information, why shouldn't I be the one monetizing or benefiting from it? Why does Facebook monopolize that network? Why does Facebook monopolize um, and basically um you know co-opted my my data right? So they own that data, not not me, right? Is there a new economic bargain um, that allows me to also t- partake in the economic gains of my contribution to an information network?
0: right You, you should get paid for your own data because it's your data right
1: <laughs> exactly like i'm I'm out there building Facebook's um, you know enterprise value by interacting on Facebook. Right. Uh, so so how do I get uh, you know a, a share of that? And that's what all these decentralized um, systems are, are are thinking about. How do we create decentralized economic models that allow participation and reward for our participation? So it's a much more kind of cooperative thinking in that sense, in terms of how we want to build the Internet economy. How do we want to build open networks? And um, So that's super exciting. And, and what we're doing is applying that is specifically in the scope of philanthropy, impact investing, sustainable development, and how do we use that to further the sustainable development goals that the UN has put out. So that's our specific um, domain.
0: Okay. And are, are there any, any final thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with about IXO and, and the work that you guys are doing?
1: Yeah, so there's there's a lot of work to be done. Um, we're a small but growing and mighty team. Um, I'm I'm super excited that uh, you know this is a team that is coming out of out of South Africa, which is maybe not where you normally think of technology innovation coming from. Um, but that also speaks to the power of the the blockchain movement, that the development of the space comes from all over the world. It shouldn't just be concentrated in Silicon Valley, in New York, New York where the money is, or um, in Berlin or, or, or elsewhere, but it really is about uh, spreading the, the capacity development of, of talent globally. And in order for decentralized systems to work, in order for us to achieve um, social impact at scale we need people to, to actively participate. We need people to be willing to experiment. We need people to be willing to to, to partake in this. So um, I guess my message is, you know, get active in this, um, start learning, you know, what's going on in space, learn to code, Learn learn to also think about new economic models for what a decentralized economy looks like. Um, and come in, and follow us. Come and learn with us. Um, so you can find us um, on uh, our website, ixo.network. We're on Telegram. We've got GitHub. So just come and participate because we can't do this without active participation.
0: Okay. And, and thank you, Finny, for coming on and, and giving us your time and, and information and especially the updates. We love to hear about the, the, the changes from the first time we talked to you to the next time. So uh, I'm sure we'll be back with some more updates in just a short while. <laughs> so that'll be great. Yeah,
1: exactly. Thank you so much.
0: You've been listening to Almost Here, around the corner future technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review to discover more future technologies,